Welcome back to Vibe and Cultivate with Maya. It's been a long time. I really haven't felt like I had anything to talk about or anything that was sparking any inspiration for me. I'm kind of in this transition where I am finding that light again in myself. And in a lot of ways, I feel like I've, I've made a ton of progress and I'm really proud of myself but it is a process I recently told a friend a piece of advice it's to speak your truth even if your voice stutters although I feel uninspired like maybe my voice doesn't matter as much as it did that what I have to say might not be as important as the next person I'm just gonna speak from the heart and I hope that it lands somewhere safe and good and I hope that maybe it helps someone. I struggled a lot with my mental health in college and before that but being on my own in a city not really having the support you know what an 18 year old would usually have. I quickly came to terms with the fact that I was really alone. And although I had grown up in circumstances that required me to learn how to be independent, it's different when your life depends on you developing those skills. If I didn't learn how to take care of myself, how to apply for an apartment and take care of a home, pay bills on time, open a credit card, and if I didn't learn how to do those things, not to say that I never had help with anything, but I needed to do all of that to live, to be a functioning member of society. And a lot of people aren't taught those things. So this isn't like a, I'm the only one who's ever gone through this. But, you know, I I think about where I was at in my cognitive development when I was coming out of high school I wasn't ready for anything and I had convinced myself that this huge life change was exactly what I needed and I needed to go super far to feel like I was doing something with my life or to feel some inspiration because I wasn't feeling good where I was so I got here and I was like okay in some ways This is what I thought it would be. And in a lot of ways, it's even better than what I expected. It's hard to be the new face, the new person who doesn't know anything about this city. If you're surrounded by people who are mostly from that area or that surrounding area, everybody has the same general upbringing and background and taste and way of dressing. You're kind of like the one person who's different. And I still kind of feel like I'm the one person that's different. I've just found a way to spin it in a positive way. I think things like modeling have really helped me with that. But there are still times when I'm like, okay, I know that where I'm going to go, I'm going to be the only person who's dressed the way that I'm dressed and who maybe has the perspective that I do. But that's okay. That doesn't mean that I need to shapeshift to whoever is in that room. It just means like I have to be aware of that going in. And keep an open mind, you know, that doesn't mean that I can't have anything in common with the people around me or that I have to assume the worst. 
I think in the beginning, when I was expecting to see more people who looked like me and had the same, you know, ideologies and values and whatnot as I did, when I didn't find that, I was like, this sucks. Or like, I need to change my views in order to fit in. And that's just not who I am. And having these different thoughts and wanting to learn more about people and the way that people think and how we interact, that's what led me here. That's what led me to all of the jobs I've ever had. It led me to start this podcast. It's helped me develop some of the best relationships I've ever had in my entire life. And I wouldn't trade that for the world. I'm glad that I didn't force myself to completely change my entire personality just to be similar to the majority and who was acceptable or palatable at the school that I went to and just in the general environment that I was in. With that loneliness and with that big transition, I was struggling a lot with my mental health. I started therapy because... I don't know if I've ever talked about this, probably, but... If I have, it's been a long time. The first time I really felt acute symptoms of anxiety. I don't know if that's the right word to use. I mean acute as in like really severe. So maybe acute isn't the right word. Ongoing, chronic. There we go. Chronic symptoms of anxiety. Clearly I'm not a professional here. I was having sharp pains in my face. It felt like... You know, when you're getting a shot, except it was coming from like under my skin. And I've never felt that sensation before. Obviously, it was very uncomfortable. And it was constant at a certain point. And it was like multiple points around my face. And there was really nothing I could do at the time to stop it. So I went to a doctor and I was like, what is happening with me? Like, I can feel that this is caused by stress and I I can understand that like my mental state is what's causing this. And I think what I said to this doctor, who is a primary care physician, I was like, can you just prescribe me anxiety medication so that this can go away? And this guy, he's like a white man, brown hair, mid-30s. He was like, um, have you ever gone to therapy? I was like, no. He was like, you should try it. Like, I'm going to recommend you <laughs> to this to this place. And I was like, all right. Figured that I had really nothing to lose at that point. So I was like, all right, this man won't give me drugs. So I have to go see a therapist. Great. I was pretty reluctant when I started with my therapist. They asked me if I had any preference for like racial background or like gender or sexuality and I was like no because in my mind it doesn't matter what someone looks like or what their background is if they're educated on this like I can learn from them so I didn't have a therapist who had a similar identity to me which oddly kind of helped I don't know if that's true but I think it's true what I was struggling with was being in an environment where everyone was very different from me so having a therapist who was very different from me was like oh, like I can vibe with this person so I can get along with anybody else pretty much, which is kind of simplistic, but I guess it worked. Anyways, I was with that 
therapist for about two years. So ages like 18 to 20, which is crazy. And I made some really good progress, tried out different forms of therapy after that. I was really curious about the whole world of wellness and mental health. I didn't really know where to start, but I knew that I wanted to do more. And now some of it, I'm like, okay, maybe it's a little bit too like woo-woo for me. But I was really interested in hypnotherapy and what's it called? Like EMDR, like the eye movement that's supposed to like correct your, your trauma memories, which is fascinating. Different types of therapy in the body, different types of physical therapy I was interested in that I actually did try. It was really helpful. I just wanted to do more. I did group, a couple of different therapists, and then started with my more recent one. So lots of different people who have like influenced my my mental health, and I think I learned something from all of them. I didn't leave any of the former therapists because I I didn't like their work or I didn't, you know, think that I was making any progress with them. I had really positive experiences with all of them. It was just kind of circumstantial stuff. Like either they were leaving that practice or or something like that. Something that I have learned post-grad, living my life, working, 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 is my real, authentic self, my actual patterns of behavior, and getting comfortable talking about it and being honest with myself, which is probably the hardest part. Sometimes it's easier when you have someone to blame, like, oh, I didn't receive love from x person i was wronged by this person i don't have what all these people have it's like i i i me 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 and yes it's therapy yes of course like the point is to talk about yourself for sure but also the point is to take accountability for how we show up in the world good and bad there are times when we get it right and there are times when we don't and sometimes i would think that because I've had some experience with, you know, mental health counseling and I've been in these spaces and I I volunteer with mental health nonprofits and I've been a part of these art exhibits and wonderful, wonderful things and I'm so blessed that I had the chance to be a part of it and, and meet people who are also committed to this work. But sometimes like being in this community makes you think that you are exempt from doing the same work that everyone else is doing. And I know I'm not the only person who's thinking this or who is guilty of this. A lot of people in the mental health space can kind of develop almost like a moral high ground of I know this and you don't. And it's not always like sometimes people are truly like very well-meaning and I would consider myself always like very well-meaning, but you can have the best of intentions and still hurt people. You can want the best for people and have love for the people around you and still cause harm. I think sometimes that's what we fail to see. Just because you tell someone, oh, I love you, I'm here for you. If you're not actually showing up through your actions, through your behavior, picking up on what that friend or that person is trying to communicate to you, if they're trying to communicate that they're struggling and like they need your support and you're not showing up for them, if they're not feeling heard and not feeling seen and you're dismissive of that, whether or not you're trying to be, those are the ways that sometimes we miss an opportunity 
to lean in and have that conversation and sometimes we're not ready to have that conversation right like sometimes as much as we want to be helpful we ourselves are not in a good place so we can't jump in and be like hey let's talk through this whole thing if we're not feeling good so that's when you have to develop the language to be like hey i hear you i see your experience i see that you're struggling and i'm so sorry i wish i had more to give you i wish i could alleviate this pain in you but right now i'm not able to show up for other people in that way because i myself am dealing with some things but what i can give you is this if you ever need a hug if you ever need to just call someone in the middle of the night like you're going through something and you just need someone to vent to that's fine but if you're looking for guidance if you're looking for like more intense ongoing support you might have to get that from a professional or somebody else and i feel like we need to get more comfortable saying that to people because there's a lot of people out there who think that they're very enlightened on a lot of different topics and they try to dish out advice to others but it's poorly guided and it's not rooted in any real knowledge and experience and expertise it's more rooted in oh i feel like i need to say something because this person is in front of me and they're upset so i want to make them feel better which is obviously nice like you're a good friend for that but we also want to make sure that we're not derailing just because <laughs> we want someone to feel better or to think that we're a good friend being a good friend is just showing up, like literally just being there and accepting people for who they are. That's it. Just being present in those moments, being around for when life gets really hard, being a shoulder to lean on. You don't have to go in and fix everybody's problems, but just sitting with someone as they're going through their best days and their worst days, that's what being a good friend is. For me, a big thing that I've learned is my attachment styles and how they have changed and maybe differed from what I thought. I really closely identified with having an anxious attachment style that still does show up and has shown up very clearly in certain relationships. But I think it depends on like what emotional state that I'm in. So this is really specific, but it opened up my eyes and maybe it can open up someone else's. When we put people into a box of like, you are this, you are this specific attachment style and can't be anything else and, and these two people can't interact because their attachment styles are not compatible creating all of these rules around if you are this then you must be this and in my situation i'm telling you i am both i have experienced both anxious attachment and avoidant attachment Anxious attachment shows up for me when I am in survival mode. Avoidant shows up when I am struggling. Specifically, if I'm going through a period of sadness, if I am feeling depressed, if I'm going through a loss, that causes me to be more avoidant because I'm not as comfortable feeling those emotions. So it's much easier to deny that they're there than to dive into them because that feels very scary. I think my confidence is a bit of like a superpower for me. It is, but sometimes the really energetic I can do anything, nothing is in my way vibe, I guess, that I have, or like this, this personality that I've developed over the course of my life. It's great, but it also can sometimes mask what I'm actually feeling. So rather than taking my whole experience, rounding it up in one big hug and 
putting it out into the world, showing up as I am 100%, I show up as a specific version of myself, I don't know, to convince myself that I'm 100%, I think that's part of it, but also to serve the role or purpose that I'm there to do. For example, I have multiple different jobs. So when I'm showing up to work and I need to have like a really bubbly, happy personality, that's just what I have to do that day. If I am, like last weekend, if I'm leading a run of 100 people and I have to get them on a three-mile route through a a city and all these busy cars and I have all these people in like matching t-shirts and I'm having to coordinate and make sure nobody gets lost... I have to show up a specific way for that. So sometimes, you know, there's time and place. Like you can't always be processing all your emotions all the time, but at least acknowledge that those feelings are there and that what you are experiencing is truly happening. It's real. When we don't do that, when we are avoiding those feelings, it just kicks it down the road. It doesn't actually make it go away. I've learned that the more I avoid, the deeper the hole I dig myself into. And it doesn't look like a hole at first. It looks like I'm having fun or it looks like I'm living my life and whatever. But in actuality, it's a way of numbing what I'm really feeling. I also feel like social media, I feel like this is so important. Social media has created this persona, this archetype of just don't give a shit about anything. Use people take everything you can out of them and then just move on and don't care about who you impact. It's been romanticized, this way of interacting with others, at least for women. It's promoted as this almost like play dumb and go about life as if everything is just for fun and it's a joke. I think that's how, you know, some of my friends when they talk about like online dating and apps and stuff like that, where you're not really having meaningful interactions with someone. It's really just to like have a laugh and have a conversation and then that's it. Like you're not really having truly in-depth interactions with people. It's interesting how surface level human connection has become. We're only thinking about what can I gain from this person? What can I get out of this situation? Rather than what do I have to offer What do I bring to the table when I'm sitting across the table from someone at dinner? What am I talking about? What do I have to share that is of substance? A lot of people think that just them existing warrants all kinds of like special treatment and wonderful things and it doesn't. No matter who you are, you have to show up with something to offer And I think the way that you do that is by living your life and having rich experiences that you can share with others, being honest with yourself, being an authentic person, not trying to create this fake persona different than what you actually are, like basically trying to impress people or otherwise just like alter who you authentically are. It just doesn't land. I feel like the biggest strength that we can have and the biggest advantage that we can have is to show up as our true selves, to take accountability when we're not able to do that and when we're not treating people with the compassion that they deserve and the mutual respect that they really deserve. I've also learned my attachment styles, it doesn't come from nowhere, obviously. It comes from my upbringing and I've been learning a lot more 
about where that comes from. And I was heavily influenced by one of my aunts growing up who was 19 when I was born. And we were always very, 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 very close. And she had these roommates in college and in her 20s. The three of them helped raise me. They were a huge, huge part of my early years. And in a lot of ways, I felt like the baby of the college dorm room. Like your friend has a kid and then you're helping them raise this kid. I was that kid. And I have come to understand myself so much better once I pieced it together. And I was like, you know, the reason why I make the life choices that I do and why I've ended up where I am right now is largely because of the examples that I had. And I'm so grateful for those. I understand why people acted the way that they did and and had the the ideas that they had towards family and love and life purpose and all these different things and how it comes together. It just makes a lot of sense is what I'm saying. And I'm so grateful that I've been able to have that opportunity to reflect. For so many years, I was wondering, why am I so different from a lot of the people that I grew up with? Why do I have such different values and different ideas than a lot of these people? What made me that way? Because I would look at some of my other family members and I'd be like, well, they're not like that. So why, why do I feel this way? And I I think this has brought me so much clarity and self-acceptance. Once you understand why you think the way you think and why you have made certain choices in life, then you're able to kind of forgive yourself for those choices. If you look back on something and you're like, oh my God, like, why did I do this? This was so stupid. Reframing that and being like, okay, you know what? I made that choice because in the past, I saw someone else who was really close to me make the same choice and I saw that as good. So that's what I learned. I had no other understanding other than this behavior equals people will like you or this behavior equals people will love you or accept you. So that's what I did. If I would have known differently, I would have done things differently, but I didn't. I think I've learned how to have that compassion for myself. And that has set me free in a way that, you know, now I think about who I will be 20 years from now and having this conversation with my future daughter. And rather than having to say, I don't know why I am this way. This is just who I am. Deal with it. This is what it is. Tough love. I think a lot of us grow up with that like tough love family dynamic, especially people of color, immigrant families. Now I get to break that generational cycle. I get to say, hey, let me tell you this story about my high school years and my early 20s all the mistakes that I made and all the things that I kind of regret, but eventually I came to understand myself and I saw that these people who deeply shaped me and deeply impacted me and loved me so much, these are the people who made me who I am and I'm so thankful for them. These are the ways that I am similar to them and these are the ways that I really wanted to do things differently in my life. And it took years to get there, but I got there. It's really easy when you're later in life to look back and just be angry and regretful and resentful at all the things that went wrong and all the people who did you wrong, everything that you missed out on. I hear a lot of that nowadays, feeling like, oh, I missed out on this and that because I had kids or I hate 
so-and-so spouse the ex-friend sister brother whoever like they wronged me so because i didn't get what i deserved and they should pay for blah 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 it's this endless cycle of just unhealed people spewing out information to try to get people to see them and understand them and say you're okay you're doing the right thing It's a bunch of children in adult bodies, unhealed children in adult bodies, crying out, wanting this attention, wanting this validation. Unless you do the inner work to heal those things and acknowledge why those feelings come up and why those recurring beliefs are still there, unless you're willing to address those things, you're never going to get that validation. You're never going to get that light at the end of the tunnel of, oh, now I'm finally going to feel good and people are finally going to give me all the answers I want. Those are the people who go to the grave with the same complaints. And I've seen people do it. I've seen people have those lives. And I've also seen people turn around their life and see what isn't working, no matter how old they are. You could have that turning point when you're 80. I have an uncle who is 80 years old and just started therapy. I can't tell you anything that's more profound than that. He's 80 years old. Most people would be like, what the fuck? Like, what? But he's doing it. And that's amazing. I feel like having this experience now, listening to my podcasts, not this one, other people's, doing that self-reflection, having conversations with my friend when when something comes up for me and i'm like okay i just need to talk this out i just need to get another person's perspective on this having my friends that i can call and just be like hey what do you think of this or have you ever felt this way i have wonderful friends who are able to engage in those conversations with me and i'm really appreciative for that life doesn't stop you know like things are gonna get progressively more challenging as we get older things get more complicated there's more people in your life There are more responsibilities. It doesn't slow down. It only grows. All these things that I was carrying from years and years in the past, it was heavy and it was weighing me down. And I still have more to climb. I still have more to go. But I don't need to carry all that weight. It's still there. It still exists. You can't get rid of that. When people say that energy can only be recreated, it can't be destroyed, that's how it feels. Trauma is energy. That energy, you can't destroy it. It's always going to be there. You can't light a match and watch it burn away. It's always going to be there. It's always going to be a part of you. Trauma forms our bodies and makes us actually develop differently. You can't erase that. But we can show compassion to ourselves, understanding and love. And it takes so long. Like it takes a lot of time and a lot of dedication to get there. I don't mean to say that it's easy by any stretch of the imagination. I have learned to trust the process when you are struggling. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to say the wrong thing. It's also important to take a hard look in the mirror and say, am I acting in alignment with who I truly am? Is this really the life that I wanna be living? What is really standing in my way? Is it really other people? Or is it my habits and behaviors? When I say habits, I don't always mean having a great morning routine, having good skincare products. Sure, that's part of it. That's taking care of your physical self, making sure that you're put together and whatnot. 
but that's only half of it. Our habits are, how do we talk to ourselves when we are struggling? How do we cope with discomfort? How do we cope with sadness? Is it alcohol, drugs, sex? Is it dating a bunch of people? Is it going for a joyride? <laughs> Falling off from your job, not showing up to work, and just hanging out with your friends and saying, fuck it, fuck the system, I don't want to do anything. Going off the grid and traveling or being unreachable, not talking to any of your friends? Or is it the opposite? You know, Do you then lean on your friends a lot? Is it really hard for you to be alone? Is that your way of coping? Sometimes it takes a long time to change how we cope. Those bad habits can become new habits. Maybe your vice was one thing and then it shifts to another thing. Everybody has like their thing that they do. It's not always about having to eliminate whatever it is that you do to to cope with your situation because sometimes certain coping mechanisms can be really good for example if one of your coping mechanisms is exercise that is great for you but it's also possible to overdo it so rather than saying hey i'm not going to exercise at all because i overdo it you figure out a way to implement it with boundaries i'm going to exercise but maybe i'm not going to take a berries class seven days a week If I'm going to do intense workouts, I build in intentional rest days and I honor those rest days and I'm making sure that I'm eating enough. For some people, if your vice and your coping mechanism is interfering with your day-to-day life, if you can't show up to work because you're drunk or you're high or you woke up somewhere mysterious and you don't know how you got there that's when it's not just like oh this is making me kind of uncomfortable this is making my life kind of hard it's literally compromising your ability to take care of yourself and live a normal life that's when i think you have to take more serious and and drastic measures of maybe just cutting that out of your life it's not something that's keeping you afloat it's preventing you from feeling whatever you need to feel you're numbing those emotions by being in an altered state if you're high then you don't really have to sit in the sadness you can be distracted by something else different things have different effects on on people some people if they drink alcohol it makes them really happy some people it makes them really depressed some people feel very relaxed when they're high some people get very paranoid either way if we are focused on wanting to feel differently all the time this is just my theory people can disagree and that's completely fine and it also has to do with like the wellness industry this is not just drugs and alcohol that i'm talking about people who are constantly trying different like health treatments or different ways to even alter their appearance like i know that's kind of extending the the branch pretty wide but if you've ever heard of like cool sculpting or reiki therapy and all of it might be like cool and interesting to explore but sometimes all these different wellness practices it can be an evasive maneuver outside of our true grounded selves our body as it is being okay with that is the hardest thing a human being can do is to just fully accept yourself for who you are not wanting to change a thing when we're dealing with trauma when we're dealing with loss it makes it even harder having that goal of i might not feel how i want to feel right now i might not feel 100 percent right now but let me tell you where i want to be I want to be someone who's happy and stable and thriving. I want to be someone who has this type of life. I want to have the 
flexibility to do what I want with my time. I want to be with someone who likes this type of lifestyle. I want to feel balanced. I want to feel safe. Identifying those things for yourself while you are healing is so important because it gives you a sense of direction. A lot of the time we feel like we are completely out of control of what's happening to us. So it kind of leads people to this panic. And then the one thing that you can control is whatever that vice is, right? The one thing I can control is if I want to get drunk, I can get drunk. If I want to go get attention, then I can go on Tinder and meet someone and and whatever, and I can get validation for five minutes. If I want to feel really, really good from like a sugar high, I can go eat a bunch of Reese's peanut butter cups, and that's going to make me feel better. In actuality, it's this illusion of control. It's not really something we can control. It's just whatever we're choosing to make ourselves feel better in that moment. (sighs) That was a lot. I hope you guys enjoyed. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry to end it so abruptly, but I am really glad that I got to talk about this. I hope it resonated for somebody. If not, then this was just for me. I hope you guys are all doing well. Life is lifing. Life is tough. There's a bunch of sirens outside because of the protests for Palestine. I hope y'all are staying safe, taking care of yourselves, journaling and taking deep belly breaths and going for walks and listening to calming music. That is what I wish for everyone listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for supporting Vibe and Cultivate and my inconsistency. Um, You are very much appreciated and have a great week.